Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Jill Sholin. I had the best time on $2 late fee. You know the video store stuff. <laughs> it's time for $2 Six Questions, where our patrons ask the questions and our celebrity guests answer them. To be a part of the fun and listen to archived episodes of the show, go to patreon.com slash $2 late fee and sign up today. Jill, you are uh, beautiful inside and out. So it is a pleasure to have you on our show again to talk about $2 six questions, which is uh, questions from your fans. All right. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> so um, we have a Patreon show and those Patreon patrons, they they are the ones who get to ask all the questions to you. But I will say that this show is now is not exclusive to Patreon anymore. This is now a public show, um, which is why we wanted to sort of come back and do this separately because we had some new, we had some new fans added. So we wanted to give them a, an opportunity to ask you questions as well. Oh, fantastic. So, and congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, we are, we are now a weekly show. So this, you are our July guest. Um, it's Jill Sholin all month. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we just actually, we can talk about this now really quick. We just recorded, um, a, our favorite films of Jill Sholin with, uh, one of our friends of the show, this guy, Chris Mayek. Uh, he's someone who might have a question coming up on this. Okay. And we talked about three of your films that stood out to us that we loved your specific performance in. Um, and, and, and then you had like kind of a, a lead role in, and that, that was Thunder Alley. Uh, wow. Rich Girl and Popcorn. Wow. Those are three of films that we obviously talked about. Oh, okay. I love that. Like, who, who, who talks about Rich Girl? Like, I do. I okay. Well, there's one person. So other than you. Just Zach. Maybe no one. But, you know, more people, I wish they saw it. And Look, see it. They like it. I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously, we and we talked about this in our interview with you, there's things that work and don't work. Yeah. Um, but to me, the music really stood out to me. Something about the energy in that film. I just, I, I personally love it. But, um, you know, but anyways, we, we can talk about them later. Um, first question is from Dylan Laurie. And he asks, yeah. in the 80s, who was your BFF in the business? Who was my best friend in the business? Yeah. Well... Um, 
God, I saw many friends in the business, but the, the first person that comes to mind, and at that time, she really wasn't my best friend, but our we were always thrown together. And as the years have gone on, I mean, I was just on the phone with her for an hour this morning, and that's my dearest sister, Suzanne Snyder. Oh, yeah, of course, from Weird Science and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And yeah, <laughs> it was just really strange because um, how, you know, I, I know you guys have had this experience. I know everyone feeling you too I know it um that everyone has had that experience of like well that can't just be coincidence right, right. There, there has to be whether if even if you're not a believer and some people may continue not to be a believer in, in you know something wonderful and positive bigger than ourselves yep and I apologize, I'm lisping. I have my braces and I forgot to take them out before the <laughs> It's okay. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm sounding like I'm lisping. There's all this shh. <laughs> it's okay. We don't mind. No, we don't we don't mind. But if you did want to pause for a minute, we can do that too. This is not live or anything. If you, you know. No, it's okay. I just I just bit on my finger so they'll set more in. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, um, we were, I would say we became reluctant friends, not against friendship. Yeah. We just kept being thrown into the same pile because she had a friend. His name was Jesse. Now, I can't remember, but he was the singer on some big movie back then where he did the vocals okay. for the, the singer. And I forget which movie it is. I apologize. Zach knows. Zach, Zach knows anyway. It's fine. Well, he you knows. said Jesse, and I'm like, Jesse has a friend? Wait. Jesse is a friend. <laughs> but anyway, Suzanne's from Chicago. She went to Northwestern University. That's why it's so funny when, you know, with uh, Weird Science. I mean, she like literally shot at places she hung out at in that film right? when she, when she was a kid. But anyway, this mutual person in our lives I knew them from a degree of separation my agent and he were friends okay and I had started in and things were going well for me and he knew Suzanne was an actress wanted to come out to LA and he said there's a girl she's your exact opposite you're blonde she's dark you guys are the same height everything's <laughs> the same except you are the opposite you know, you're like, she's pepper, you're salt, you know. And anyway, so he said, just, she's had great success. You should do the thing that she has done. So Suzanne met with my agent, the agent took her. And then she went to the same acting class I was in. She wasn't like following me, but it was just like, you hear what's a good class, what's a yeah. good thing. And so she started doing, you know, we were in the same circles because of that. And then we did this show together and we played sisters. That's awesome. And then, you know, that's we, wild. And it's just kind of gone on like that. And so we say lifelong friends. So we started as what I would call reluctant friends because we were just kind of thrown together. And as life goes on, you know, we've just stayed really good friends. And of course, she still has a foot in the business because. You know, fans love her from, I would say mostly from Killer Clowns, but 
I have to say she's an exceptional actress, you know, which is why Seinfeld used her a couple of times, an underrated actress. And, um, and she's a fantastic human being. So in the business, I'd say she's probably one of my closest friends, but we were in acting class with Carla Cuccini and, or I don't even know how you say Carla's last name. Is it Cuccina or Cuccini? I I said both interchangeably forever. (laughs) I said, I think I said Gugino, Gugino, yeah. I think they say okay. So I said it when they. I've always said it wrong. My whole we life. could be saying it wrong too. I don't, yeah. For years, when we were in acting class, I'm saying Carla. I just don't know quite how to say <laughs> your last thing. <laughs> Look, I I I uh, bastardized uh, David Rash's name, David Rashi's name for the longest time because I thought it was Rash. David Rashi. David Rashi. David Rashi. Yeah. Right. I mean that we do this all the time, especially to people that you know. Because it's like you, if you didn't know them, you might actually think about it. <laughs> but you, right. you know, you're just thinking of them by their first name. There's someone you hang out with and someone you blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, mostly the people from acting class were the, you know, the, the besties. Because in acting class, everyone's getting to know your stuff. Right. And you're getting to know their stuff. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of friends on set. But... I found that though for me, and I wish I cultivated many of those relationships more, but you know, you I tended at that time in my life as the people who were working to work, you get really close. Everyone's your close best friend. And right. after a few months, you go on to the next project. Right. And those people become your <laughs> right. I think it's different when you get over a certain age, you rethink all that and you know, you actually like make more effort to stay in contact with people. Totally. I think it's a age thing, a maturity thing. Uh, and, and, and it's nice to know that, uh, all these years later, you guys are still very much connected. And, uh, we are. Yeah. like you said, you just talked this morning. That's great. We did. We had a nice long conversation and, you About know, being on our show. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually it's strange. It didn't come up. But... Oh, geez, Jill. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about health and exercise and a, and a project we have together that is coming out that oh good I can't talk about. You still can't talk about it yet? Okay, okay, we're not going to talk about it yet. Well, that's we... a different one. I've got a couple I can't talk Love about. <laughs> so you can talk about a few things, right? Later. Yes, oh, okay, I can good. talk about. Yeah. Okay, oh. good. Our next question is from. Carol McKee, a mother to the show and a mother, a literal mother to Zach. She's my mom. Um, Carol asks, uh, out of all the movies you starred in, what is your favorite? Well, that's interesting. That's a very interesting question. I mean, I've really enjoyed, um, I can't explain why making When a Stranger Calls Back. I like that character. Um, I don't know why I... Nothing about my life is relatable to her, but it would be a toss up between that and the stepfather. Mm, wow. Okay. Say. But I did enjoy fun wise making other movies like Babes in Toyland. And I mean, I like almost every experience. One of my first jobs I ever did was Little House, and I had mm-hmm. this huge guest starring role on it. And on When a Stranger Calls Back, being able first of all it was the only scary movie I liked 
because I'm too scared to watch scary right, movies. Right, right. <laughs> but I was so enthralled with um, the original When a Stranger Calls Back. And we spoke about this, some of this because of um, the reality of that, just the babysitter in the house with Carol right. King playing that. So, and I just remember it so strongly, you know, if I never, if I hadn't seen it in 40 years, I would remember it impeccably because it just had that impact when I saw it. So I was kind of excited to do the film, you know, the sequel and working with Charles Durning. I mean, he's a legend. I mean, both of them are. And mm-hmm. and the fact that, that that film actually is very underrated when it comes to sequels, because I think it's a really well done sequel. I, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, and obviously you're part of that. Uh, that history of that film, because when a stranger calls back is considered one of the most terrifying, at least the first 15, 20 minutes of that movie, especially mm-hmm. uh, are terrifying for for young people. And I think people in general. So you're a part of that. And it's it and it's nice. That's more of a thriller than horror, right? That wouldn't you consider it more of a thriller? Absolutely. In fact, most of the movies that I did in the genre, at least the ones that I feel have any weight, um, I think are more that way. I would say the stepfather's that way. Oh, totally. It does have the one graphic scene where he kills the doctor, her doctor, but it, it, it's a thriller and based on a true story. But yes. I mean, everyone, I don't think anyone, I don't know, maybe you guys, but it hasn't been in a house alone and it's really late and it's dark and you think you hear a noise or you yes. think, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And so it it preys upon that. And I think Fred Walton, really the director, writer, director, really yep. understood that. And of course he did both. But that movie, I've done quite a few interviews for people who have wanted to write about it hmm. in terms, or, or even a podcast or two, in terms of uh, where a sequel is, these people were saying it's better than the original. Yeah, yeah. There's so few. I think that's fair. I remember once I talked to Tom Holland, you know, the director, Tom Holland. Yeah, Fright Night, Child's yeah. Play. Not from Spider-Man. No. Yeah, and he's really a, a you know, a, a writer, writer. Yes. And, um, you know, extremely well-educated and, and, a, and a great writer and, and understands the genre so well. But he also spoke many, many years ago about Psycho 2, which I never saw. Oh, it's great. Apparently some people say it's like, hands down, one of the best well-written sequel scripts like it's like at the top you know so it can happen it can it can that well look uh, you know a lot of people say aliens is better than alien but but or that's their favorite out of the two you know um but yeah it can happen and and i think you're part of a, a film that only seems to only continue to grow as far as being a popular film so well, I like that i hope that's true <laughs> these films are getting old no, they're getting vintage. We're nostalgic, right? Nostalgic. So. Um, Are getting wrinkly, like on my skin? <laughs> no, stop it. Stop it. Um, I just did a mask this morning to freshen myself up for the... Uh, so, <laughs> for, for real. Erin um, Gilmer. Erin Gilmer is a friend of the show. Her question is, what is your favorite food? What is your favorite food? Oh, God. I like 
that question, boy. We we ask great questions. I mean, our fans do. Oh, my favorite food. So I don't know if she means a singular food or a type of food. So can I just hit them both? <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Well, I know what makes me feel good. What makes me feel good when I eat, you know, it's like a beautiful arugula salad, you know, fresh Ooh. food, living food <laughs> makes you feel good. Agreed. You know, arugula salad with um, some on on dive in it and I might sprinkle pomegranates on top of it and shaved uh parmesan and then make a fresh dressing of I'll squeeze a lemon on top and drizzle a little olive oil toss it with a little Himalayan and like a million dollars now having said that you know gluttony is you know a wonderful vice sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yes and from that point of view can you go wrong i i don't eat meat i have not eaten meat since i was very young i think i told you guys as a child i had alopecia oh, no you didn't bring that up you didn't mention that no. okay well i had alopecia and yeah it's all coming out in my book <laughs> good good oh, I, I just love saying that sentence no <laughs> but I, that's what really, in all seriousness, that's what the book is about. Not about the alopecia, but about the self-worth issues. Mm. And um, that I feel that we all struggle with. And totally. I, in my struggle with them, there I was, you know, starring in movies, you know, going, traveling the world and having high profile people in my relationship, in as relationships. And um Yet, you know, I, I was in the passenger seat or the back seat of my own life. And what was driving my bus was the, the you know, some of the self-worth issues. And yeah. so I think they began when I was very young and was bald and had no eyelashes and no eyebrows for two years of my life. Wow. Prior wow. to making films. And um, so, so I had that experience. So um, nothing was making me better. And, you know, it's, you know, hard on a parent to see their child like that. Yeah. And so my mom just started researching and researching. And I, my family, definitely, we were like one of those forefront running families with healthy eating and like like I haven't had tap water since I was probably I mean really young you know like I carried bottled water long before it became popular people wow. thought I was nuts I was a kid I'm talking late 70s I'm carrying right nobody was doing this yes no nobody was doing yes. it, but no. so I don't eat meat is my point I stopped eating meat because of the hormones and blah, blah, blah on it and did a vegetarian lifestyle. And I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that there can be dangers to that too. So, you know, live and learn, but I've not, nevertheless, I couldn't eat it now because it's been too long. And so my point is, I love Italian food. I love that pasta. I like for me, I'll have spinach ravioli. Oh, I can't yummy. just do the plain pasta yeah. because if you're going to go there, you have to like 
give it with something, you know, so I'll put, I, I love, you know, raviolis. And then I, I think I was like, if I was in another life, I think I was probably somewhere in Mexico or something in another life. Because I love authentic Mexican food. Mm. Love it. You, I could just like oh. have it all the time. Hence COVID-19 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. The extra, the extra pounds, because I enjoyed that, you know, and when you're young, you're, we were going to dance class every day and you have that metabolism. You're burning it off. Yep. You're so burning. You could eat, you know, five Mexican meals a day and not <laughs> down. But now it's like you have a half of enchilada, you're done for. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a hard time finding great um, Mexican food. So guess what I do? I make, make it. Yeah, there you go. Fantastic. I know I make fantastic uh, vegetarian enchiladas. And I like to make mm. them different with the... When you, you know, people use corn tortillas, but I'll make, make them with cassava tortillas or coconut mm. tortillas or, and I won't give away my recipe. That's in the book. That's in the book. Oh, <laughs> nice. Right on. In the book. That's not, but it is somewhere else. And um, so, yeah. And I will say, part of food, I think, is drink. And yes. I do enjoy what they call a cure royale. It's I just think for especially for women, it's such a lovely drink. You have either champagne or prosecco or you know something like that, and so you pour yourself that little glass of champagne. I like to put sometimes the tiniest, just a droplet of fresh lime in there, and then a little bit of Chambord. Ooh. which is a raspberry liqueur, but it's not uh, a nice one, an expensive one. It's like the little bottle is, you know, $25, but it lasts forever. And you just put a drop in that. And I think that's a company so beautifully like spicy food. Ooh, nice. <laughs> nice. Wow. Good thing we're recording this right before lunch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Aaron, Very for bringing that question up. Yes, Aaron. Woo-woo, Aaron! And try a Cure Royale, Aaron, if oh. you have alcohol. I know some people don't. You could probably, there's probably a mocktail version of that, too. Uh, always. Yeah, always. 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 You I would... love mocktails. I love mocktails. Jill, when can we expect this book of yours? Well, that's another really good question. This year? Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, I mean, that's I, have, I, you know, I was so gung-ho to finish it by the end of February and then I didn't but <laughs> it's very close to being done the only really great news about the delay in it it's my finishing writing it is that um something came up and so I now am gonna tweak the beginning and tweak the ending oh great I we very much look forward to having that get released. The next question comes from Chris Mayak, who is a friend of ours. Uh, he was on two weeks ago covering your movies with us. I believe he has met you at a convention in Minnesota. Um, I don't know the last time you were in Minnesota. 
Yeah, uh, what is his name? Uh, his name is Chris Mayek. His name is so familiar to me. Um, you recognize him too. He's we we joke that he's our long lost son. <laughs> yeah, Chris is is like a little baby who knows everything about the eighties. He's not a baby. Nineties. He's a baby. Twenty five is a baby. You're a baby. I lovingly say that. But but Chris, um, so Chris has his own YouTube interview show as well. And this is a signature question of his to you. And that is, what is the darkest headspace that you've had to go into for a role? Oh, that I had to go into for a role. Well, I, I mean, I probably the one that demanded it was um, When a Stranger Calls Back, because that character was so dark. When you compare her to the, the Stephanie character, that heroine in The Stepfather, Stephanie kind of was on top of it. That's why no one believed her, because she was so smart and she saw it, you know, right. she was intuitively smart and intellectually intelligent. But um, the girl, Julia, in When a Stranger Calls Back, was she was dark, but... It was very easy for some reason at that time in my life, not that I was dark and feeling dark, but maybe I did deep down inside was feeling some of that. Not that it, the feelings are the same as the character, but it was easy at that time in my life to tap into Julia's darkness. I will say, though, when I made The Stepfather, when we shot the whole ending of the film, I do remember um, really having a series of nightmares. Mm -hmm. You know, like it went home with me because you're you're doused with it every day. You're just like yeah. oh, inundated with it. And um, and I remember going home at night and or back to the hotel, whatever, and thinking not thinking, but dreaming that someone was chasing me, mm. you know? So that I think, I think with the stepfather, it affected me more to, to Chris. It affected me more. Um, maybe when I, a couple years later, when I did, when a stranger calls back, I think that that actually required going to a much, much darker place. But at that point, I maybe had more experience with hmm. tapping in and moving away hmm. from it at the end of the day and then coming back to it the next day. Did I answer that? Yeah, you did. You sure <laughs> yeah. did. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I got one more question on my end and then one more, one more from Dustin. Um, it's from David Irons. He's a friend of the show. Terrific writer as well in his own right. His his question is about the movie Cutting Class. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When shooting Cutting Class, did you think or already know it would have been such a tongue-in-cheek approach? It was the director's touch that gave it this feel. But was there such a tongue-in-cheek vibe on the screenplay as well? 
Yeah, I think there was. I mean, the the whole reason I did the movie, you know, and I, I'm not really ashamed to talk about it, but except I must be or I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay. like, you know, my experience on the film was not a pleasant one, although that's where I did work with my best friend on that film, coincidentally, and that's where I met Brad, although I think I mentioned to you guys that my girlfriend, Kelly, who was on the movie, you know, she was already trying to, you know, oh, there's this guy I'm working with, he's so nice, oh, you have- Oh, no, no, we didn't talk about cutting class. Oh, we did you. No. I, I apologize, did I, I must have, talked about it in some interview because I haven't hardly done any this year but I did talk about it at some point so my apologies no um so yeah but but so that part was great you know having Kelly there and you know working with some of the people I worked with on that film but doing the movie I really had no interest in doing it none that didn't it really didn't want to do it and was talked into it as I was talked into doing other projects I didn't want to do. But that was one of them. And they said the the writer, director, Rospo Pallenberg, he had written um X no Excalibur. I forget. He was like involved in Excalibur, as I recall. Like he like yeah. it was like story it wasn't like a written by thing. It was like a but but it was that it, like he was involved in it somehow. Yeah, he had yeah. done one or two things, and the my representation at the time was like he's an important from a writing standpoint, and he's written this, and he wants to break into directing. And you know, sometimes you know he, I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate my saying this, but you know, not everyone's meant to be a director. No, you know? it's facts. But so I think, you know, and because part of with directing, I, I just love, love, love. I cannot get enough of hearing anything from him. Steven Spielberg, you know, in his documentary, how he talks about that. Oh, yeah. Know, like he's how he's so prepared. Sorry, the braces. He's so prepared, but he also goes to work every day with. It's never what you think it is. And right. it might have to completely spontaneously change. And then right. you have to go with that. You have to have the kind of vision and the trust yes. in the whole creative process to say, you know what? I thought this, but that's going over there. And now we're doing this. Right. <laughs> so and trust that that instinct, no matter how prepared you are. I think that there are a lot of people who like everything else in the world, doctors, you know, they go by, this is what you learn. And this is what, the, the, well, you know, the prizes are won by people who didn't think that way. Yeah, they exactly. think outside of the box and they, it's creative thinking always that changes and mm -hmm. makes everything grow. I don't care if it has to do with food or medicine or you know, anything, everything requires creative thinking and thinking outside the box. But there are a lot of directors, and I worked with a lot of first-time directors, so I know a lot about this. 
that um and nothing against because as there is many there are many there are many phenomenal first-time directors and that's why they move on and become you know fantastic directors yeah at the same time there are many first-time directors who you know they they go about it in a nuts and bolts kind of way rather than trusting that instinct so i would say it was in the writing not in the directing and in the performances you know i mean had a good cast a great cast had an amazing cast and i don't feel that the filmmaking came up to the level of the people yeah i feel like the people were being dragged down by the directing Oh, did I say that? I didn't mean that. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I didn't mean Something. <laughs> you know, it's like, because, you know, you got a lock on you, but yeah. you, not with everyone, you know, when you're very famous as a few of the people were, they, they, they know they can't get in there and play with you as much as they can, especially a young woman actress. Hmm. Well, leave it there. <laughs> right. No, I mean that's that that's a great answer, and everything you're saying rings true. And and the the movie itself, like Martin Mull, for example, plays your father in the, in that film. Yeah. And you know the things that poor Martin is going through, off camera, sometimes on camera. Um, you know, there is a level of like ridiculousness that I think you know to David's question, it's like. Is that is that on the page that he is like just walking around with an with the arrow that he was shot with, you know, for, you know, three days through the jungle, you know, or does that come off in post in the directing? Like, are, are you aware of that level of sort of goofiness as it's happening? Yeah, no, no, no. Yes. For sure. And yes. yeah, I think it was in the script. I think it actually was probably more in the script than it was okay. in, on, the, in, on the film. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> but then, um, the, 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 you know, the actors certainly can add to that, you know. Right, uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Do you have a little tension from me talking about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's yes, but, but also it is, it is interesting, like like watching the film now, and you can and you can just you can just see these these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, back in nineteen, you know, ninety one or whatever. Ninety one, yeah. yep, ninety one, yep. Yeah, so. yeah. But I did enjoy, you know, the people on the film. That's always lovely. I mean, it's an enjoyable movie too. It is. It is delightful in its. Uh, you know what I saw the other time for the other day. For the very, very first time, I've, I've seen parts of it, but I've never watched it. And I was like, I'm going to watch this movie, Scream. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Scream. And forgive me, Scream fans, for saying this, but that has a lot of cutting class in it. Oh, totally. Mm. It was almost like, you know, and forgive me, you know, Wes Craven, who I did a movie with, an early film with that nobody knows about. Uh, well, so, wait till wait our next, next question. Next question. question. Oh, oh, please oh, continue, continue. continue. <laughs> but, so that's funny. That's funny. There you have it. But um, 
I I always felt like he looked at the film and thought, well, this film had this and that, but they didn't do it right. I, I can get this one right. Let's make a scream. I have a thought about that that I just talked about with uh, another podcast I do called Podcasting After Dark with my co-host Corey. When someone like a Quentin Tarantino says, oh, I love this obscure film from the 70s or the 80s, and then I reference that in my movie, right? That's an homage. Yeah. But yeah. when you don't cite the example or cite the the reference, like possibly Scream did with Cutting Class, well, there's a little bit of, um, I don't I don't think that that's not an homage to me. That's someone kind of maybe biting off or ripping off a little bit of, you know, we talked about this uh, recently with Dustin's brother, Lance, bought a movie called Ruskies. It's very similar to Stranger Things and uh, the, the se season three. But they don't really outright call that out. And when you don't call it out, well, you know. So I'm not crazy saying that. That's not at all. No. Not at all. Right and David Irons it's would agree like, with you on that. No. It's like almost like he, he watched. I mean, it feels like he watched the movie. Oh, totally. And I'm using my words because they're words that I would say, well, I I can see what they were trying to do. They didn't get accomplished, but I love the idea. I can make that work. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And and, and to your okay. point about, you know, uh, enjoying the time you spent with the friends on set and whatnot, I've been to really lousy restaurants, but I've gone with great company. So uh, yes, but, mm. I like it. I just love your analogies. Thanks. We try. Yeah. We try. That's like... I yeah, everybody's had bad jobs, but you know, bad jobs, but good, good coworkers. Sure. Yeah, good thing, good things come out of it. That and that's everything in life, and so they can't all be fantastic. What is fantastic? What is utterly fantastic? You know that I appreciate so much now is that I got to work so much. In yeah, totally. you know. And, when it was all happening and I was young and I did leave, I was not one of these actors or actresses that's whose career slowly died. I was getting more offers um, than ever when I left the business, but I wanted to be a mom, a full-time mom, because I had a mom that was never there for me, mm. that kind of a way. She just worked, worked, worked. She ran a company, but... Um, so I wanted to be a full-time mom. I thought if you're going to be a mom, actually, you know, be around. And so when I realized that sometimes you can't be, but in my case, I could be. So I left the business. So now when I look back and, and I think about the fans and how Suzanne and I have talked at length about this. And I wish, I wish the fans could hear us speak privately about it. Because now it just is like you're paying lip service to it, where if yeah. you really heard the conversation, it's, you know, it's moving to us. So mm -hmm. I would imagine it'd be moving to them, but what's moving to us are the fans. How, just how they're, they're so, they love this genre. Yeah. And it's like, you, you have to admire people that love something so much. That, that we're, we're not holding it up. No. People that made the movies are not holding it up. The people who watch the movies hold it up. They're, they're, the, they're the support of the foundation of the whole thing, the fans. 
And um, we're grateful. Sue and I often have talked about it as well with some other actresses who you, everyone knows. And we're so grateful, you know, to be our age and have having, you know, even though I'm working now again, you know, and I never thought I would, that just came out because I was like, okay, I guess this is happening now. Awesome. But I never dreamed that I would be going back to work in this way. And, and, um, so I'm just so amazed that people, you guys, you know, that I'm sitting here talking to you about these movies. Right. Thank you. You know, thank you for thank you gift of being reminded, wow, I did something that matters in my life, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not going and solving world hunger, but it right. is bringing something to people that got watch these films. You're bringing joy and there's, we need more of that in the world. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And just throwing this out there, since you brought it up, if you and Suzanne did want to have that conversation for the fans or whatever, if you wanted to come to our YouTube live sometime, have that conversation. We don't even need to be involved. Zach and I can just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just be, be off in the corner somewhere. It's just you and Suzanne having that conversation about these things that you did want the fans to hear. Cause I do think they would be very profound and helpful. Um, you know, the, the invitations on the table. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's lovely. How, in whatever format you wanted to do it. Cause really, yeah. Yeah. She would love that. I think she would, you know, okay. I know pretty well, but you know, because the, yeah, the fans mean something and we're so grateful. I'll share something really quick. I, I, my wife sent this to me, uh, going to bed at night before you go to bed, just to yourself, like reminding yourself that you're, that you're great, what you're grateful for like just saying it out loud, what you're grateful for, that you're alive, that you're healthy, or the things that are bringing you joy in your life, right? And that that's the last thing that you think about before you go to bed. And then when you wake up in the morning, it's still with you. That's fantastic. So, I'm going to try that. Just try it. Just try it. <laughs> yep. Now, Zach, do you, where do your wrestling stories fit in to that? Do you, do you not do those? Or do you do those before? So Jill, I, I'm a huge uh, 80s wrestling fan. So I go to bed I thinking about it. wrestling. It actually, it's like, instead of counting sheep, I have a wrestling match in my mind that helps me fall asleep. <laughs> so I've been doing it since I was like 18 years old. <clears throat> oh my God, I, you are a character. I am a character. I love it. So you, so you don't, you haven't been doing that then? Still do that. It's after I say my gratitude. Oh, okay. Well, because you said the gratitude had to be the last thing that you did. So I just out loud oh in my mind i play the wrestling match so you loudly say i'm grateful yes and, and you know i i echo your sentiment about being a parent it is the greatest thing we can do in life oh jesus there's a weight for myself I started following you like a week or two after we spoke yeah and of course i'm not very often on instagram it's but okay I, when i went on and saw it and followed you i'm like he does do it every day. And I'm writing a book too about that stuff. So uh, I that's... know you're, you guys are going to have great success. Great. Thanks. Success. Well, we're all going to have great success.
Okay. I hope so. 100%. 100%. All right. So this is just to button a little button. This is a, this is also from David Irons. Wes Craven, your experience on the TV movie Chiller. What was that like? Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny how I just said that? And then boom. It it's, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's not. It cool, just but, makes you know. sense. Yeah. It's our show. We, we do this with our guests. <laughs> so, um, you know, of course, who knew what would have the iconic career that would follow for him. And it was right on the heels. I mean, I think he went, we did our thing and then he did Nightmare or just the opposite. Yeah, right. I'm not exactly sure, but I was so new to the business. I was still very, very green and not just trying. I was afraid to ask questions to anyone and you know, but I do remember him as a director. There's a few directors that it's funny because I feel like all the better directors, they have like this um, quality about them. And it's, it's all a very similar quality. Mm. A, they're quiet. They're, they tend to be more quiet people and they tend to be thoughtful people. And they just kind of sit back and watch and then we'll throw a little nugget out at you, you know. But I remember him being very thoughtful, very kind person. And I was, you know, scared to death on the set and having nothing to do with the movie. Just oh. it was my first. I always forget that I shot that, but I shot that. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the very first things I think I ever did in my career. Wow. Yeah, because it came out in 85, but you probably shot it way before that, right? It did come out in 85? Yeah, I mean, according to, you know, IMDb and whatever. I, yeah, wow. So maybe it wasn't one of the first things. It was definitely before The Stepfather, I can tell you. Yeah. Um. You know, but I made a lot of movies right in a row at that time in my life. I just went from one to the next to the next. And they do come out at, you know, how they unravel and come out is, is different. But I think that, that I mean, I had no idea what I was doing in the, in the genre. I, I, to me, I didn't even know it was that much of a, I just thought it was a little scary that it was like, Oh, Beatrice Straits in this, you know, and having won the Academy Award for Network, I thought that was right. so exciting. And you got a hunky guy like Michael Beck in it, so uh, I know. And I, know I saw him on a convention about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, and he's so sweet, he's so lovely, and but you know, um, it was a TV movie. TV movies were pretty good back in the day. I mean, well, yeah. shoot, they still are really good. But now it's like, I feel like television series are TV movies that are just longer, longer forms of a TV movie. You know? Yeah. The quality, yeah. though, it's it's a very underrated film. It's a shame that it's not like readily available on kind of like Thunder Alley is as well. I mean, why, why are these movies not? Hopefully these movies will see a larger audience because, you know, uh, they deserve it. Well, look at who's, I mean, besides Beatrice Strait, wasn't Paul Servino in that? Yeah, in, he was. Yeah, there was, they had, had a few people in it. Anyways. And, yeah, so, but he was great. I mean, I don't, 
I, I never worked with them again, but you know, I'm so happy I had, I'm so happy I get to say, I did a Wes Craven film. <laughs> totally. Right. And its Absolutely. original title was Frozen Man. Oh, because that's so good. <laughs> I don't know if Chiller, though, is that much better. <laughs> no, but Chiller, yeah, Chiller. Frozen Man sounds like something you order at an ice cream shop. I'll have the Frozen Man, please. Well, I think, yeah, that's so good. I have the Frozen Man. Yeah, I was married to one of those. <laughs> oh, but um, boom, nice, <laughs> nice with your zinger. Look at that. Look at that. Closing I it out. Did hot. Say that. Yes. You know, no, you did not actually, say that. I adore my ex-husband. I, I've only had one and I absolutely, I adore him. He's a father of my children, but I, the reason we're divorced is because, you know, he was more that way than I was. I more like, oh, right. Heart and out there, and he's more, you know, steady. So, just somebody like me that can seem a little frozen, but it's we not have, in reality, it's not, you know, a wonderful person. We all need bookends. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Jill, Jill, I mean, again, this is just like our interview we did with you in the studio. We could continue this for another hour. Yeah. Um, but I won't say goodbye. We'll say to be continued for sure. This is there's much more to come when your book comes out. Uh, we will have you back on, which would be an honor for us if we can do that. If we can do something with you and Suzanne, it'd be great. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, I, you have a I, can can you talk about that movie that you did work on in between recording this episode and our interview? Can you talk I about that one? Not yet, but okay. I do all I, what I can say, I will say this, you know, I've done two movies and um, will be coming out and okay. um, I can't talk about other, either of them. Other it's okay. I mean, you, I you, you can only but, tease that it will be coming out, right? Yes. This, the one movie I had an interesting part in it, very different than anything I've ever done. And um, the second movie, um, the first movie I did, I played a supporting role to the main character. Second movie, I also played a supporting role to the main character, but, you know, it was lock and step with the main character. I mean, the whole main character's thing was about the girl. So it was like, you know, it was fun to work and um, the experience of working again for, you know, day after day after day, and it was hard. That part I can talk about, you know, that it, it was, I was nervous. I was so also, I brought my humility with me, mm. if that Good. makes sense. Yeah. You know, and my gratitude with me. And, um, you know, that felt really good because I did not have that when I was younger. I mean, it was, it was in my back pocket, but when you're young and things are happening, it's not that you're going, Oh, I'm the shit. It's just that everybody else around you is saying you're the shit. Yeah. And so then I never believed it. Why? Because I had no self-worth, mm. you know, but I, knew that I'm supposed to feel that and I knew how to behave with people and pretending that I had it. Right. 
And so um, it was so fantastic to work on a film and go to work every day and have that, you know, humility and that gratitude to say, God, I get I'm so lucky. I'm so, you know, I, I, I don't know if I told you, but I got really sick from COVID. The first time I had COVID last year, I had it twice in one year. Mm. And I got really sick. Did I tell you guys this? I think you touched Maybe on it a little bit, but not. Yeah, I, yeah. And so I, and I have lung disease now and a, a whole, a host of issues. And uh, I really was scared that I might not make it. And so, or I, my life will be shortened because of it. And at that time, if some months back when I was the turn of the year, when I was in the center of being so ill, I thought maybe it would be a matter of years, a couple of years. I don't, now I feel like it might take my life sooner, but I probably will have a long life in God willing. Yeah. But anyway, so that also was part of the humility and the, the gratitude was like, you better say yes to things in life, Jill. You better start showing up mm. to the life party because it can go yeah. and leave you fast. Same thing with adoring and loving people. You know, even the people you are troubled by, hmm. you know, it's like, you know, they won't be so, what you will trouble you is when they're gone. So yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep an eye out for oh. Dudes in Toyland Part 2, the sequel to Babes. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it would be geriatrics and Toyland. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, thank you for making this uh, such a wonderful experience for us. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 